Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Happy Tuesday, lovely people. We've got a great episode this week. We've got Alex McRobert with us and she is, well, she's changing the world in her own way. She's got the Sober Yoga Girl podcast, which is really successful. She runs a community called the Mindful Life Practice Community. So many of you may know Alex, but she's just really inspiring. She's doing her piece to bring yoga into the world, which is just so impactful in the alcohol-free journey. And um, she's got so much to say, which is really, really powerful. So really excited to put this podcast out there into the world. Now, just before we do that, the Facebook group is taking off. There's loads of people joining. It's so great to see the discussion going on in there. And, and a few of you are being so kind and leaving us some wonderful reviews. And so if anyone has the time this week to just take a minute or two and leave us a review on Apple or whatever, whatever your player is, it's just so heartwarming for us to read them. And I read one this week that was just so powerful to read. Uh, so, I, so I thought I'd share it. So I'm so overjoyed to have found this podcast. It's such a treasure trove of transformative tips and mindset shifting magic with a big dose of spirituality and humor i came across it at a time when i was meddling with moderation and now i'm being gently escorted back to the zestiness of booze free living this is such a great review i'm so grateful to you sam and ellie thank you keep them coming what a lovely set of words and thank you so so much um to for taking the time to write us that review and to anyone that can find us the time it's it's so helpful it helps us spread the love it's, it's a great way for people to go and read authentic words to to find specific podcasts or to to know what they're going to get from tuning into uh to these episodes each week okay awesome without further ado i will hand you over to me ellie and alex see you there namaste hello lovely people right here we are another podcast tuesday always my favorite day of the week and we've got a very very exciting guest today we've got alex mcrobert with us and um this was this is a really cool kind of link i uh i just posted a poem about yoga the other day and Alex put a lovely comment on it and just asked, could I share it? And we, we got chatting and like happens in the podcasting world, the next thing we're all in a digital virtual room together, getting to know each other. So it's so cool to have you here, Alex. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And yeah. I particularly love the fact that Alex has sped here on a motorbike. Oh Yeah. <laughs> So it's such a cool image. You're like, oh my goodness me. And uh, yeah, so Alex lives in Bali and uh, you had to get a, like a taxi, right? It sounds like you're kind of like a bit in a movie. Like you think you've yeah. like got it in time and then the fuel's <laughs> running out on the uh, on the motorbike. And anyway, we're here now, right? But it sounds like it was a, an adventurous morning for you. A little bit. Yeah, afternoon, actually. It's oh, almost yeah, 5 p.m. here. So yeah. I'm not good with time zones. Ellie's going to make a joke about this now because I always get it wrong. No, you get, get a lot of things wrong, but That's I forgive true. you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. So, you know, Alex, it's it's so lovely to have you here. We we don't know a huge amount about each other other than what we've seen on social media. And I know you're really active and you've got all this, you know, all this amazing stuff that you're doing in terms of groups and yoga. And, you know, it's it's so cool to see you doing so much just inspiring work. And I and I've checked out so many of your videos and uh, you've got a great energy on the ball. Um but, you know, we would love to know for our listeners just uh, just a bit about you. Like, I know that you're really passionate about spreading the word on sobriety. and But, yeah, so I don't know where it makes sense to start. I don't know where you 
you know, where, where you would do that, but go for it. Tell us about you. Tell us about all the things you're doing. Go for it. Sure. Perfect. So I am a Canadian originally grew up in Toronto and I lived in Canada until I was 23. And at that point I moved to the middle East. So I moved to Kuwait, which is tiny, tiny country, um, between Saudi Arabia and Iraq and a very interesting couple of years there because I was really, really young and it was my first time overseas and it's also a dry country. So alcohol is illegal, but I was still drinking at that point. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I start learning how to make wine in my kitchen and get obsessed with traveling to have these like blowout party weekends in Dubai and So I finally moved to Dubai when I was 25 and I was so excited because I was like, oh my God, I get to be in like the party region of the Middle East. This is going to be amazing. And I made it about two years into a year and a half of my time into Dubai before I ended up just being like, I have to quit drinking. Like the party scene was just too much. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I had this like growing passion for a very long time for yoga I started yoga long before I even ever got sober. So I started yoga when I was like 18 for my mental health and started um, teaching yoga part-time while I was doing this, you know, international school teacher career. And then, you know, sobriety and the pandemic and everything came together to bring me this beautiful community and business that I have now called the Mindful Life Practice. And so now full-time, I pretty much run I run this online community and I was talking to my friend about it today. And I was saying how I always dreamed of like owning a retreat center, you know, like I was like, I'm going to buy a retreat center and create this space. And I was saying to her, like, I think my space is in the sky. Like, I think my space is this virtual space that doesn't actually exist, but it's everywhere and nowhere. And I love it because I can take it with me. And so I'm going to be going to Canada in a couple of weeks and I'm just going to do the whole thing from there every day, you know, while I'm with my family. And so it's just pretty amazing and something I think maybe three years ago, pre-pandemic, we could have never conceptualized or visualized this concept of like a virtual yoga center, but that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. It's so cool to hear. I mean, for me, I know that it's been a really tough time for people over the past few years. It really, really has. Yeah. Um, but there's also been some incredible things that have happened. And yeah, I mean, I wonder, I don't know whether this podcast would be here like if, if it wasn't for that. There's, there's all these things that have happened. And yeah, that that whole thing about being able to meet more people around the world from the from your, you know, just sitting on a computer is it's just unbelievable. And particularly when you're sharing such important an important mission, you know, either a mental health mission or around sobriety and, you know, the deep connection between those things, yoga, whatever it might be, being able to transport that wherever you are is yeah. so magical. Um, yeah. Like uh, what's the, what's, is that the most unexpected thing to have, to, to have come out of the last few years for you? What else has, has popped up that you just thought, wow, I didn't see that coming. Well, I definitely never thought that I would become sober (laughs) and I never thought that it would be a long-term thing. Like when I quit drinking, it was like a moment of like desperation, you know, of, and it was only supposed to be a month off alcohol. And I just don't think I ever would have gotten to this point of, you know, three years sober. And then 
yeah, this idea that I could create my own community to support myself without having a full-time job and then be able to like for this to be my full-time job and then to be able to do it anywhere. It's just incredible. And, um, I actually had a really interesting experience where I tried to bring on a team to help me with some marketing here in Bali. And what I realized after about six weeks of doing it is that it's extremely hard to explain something like a online sober yoga community to outsiders. <laughs> like, how do you even explain this? Where do you start? And that's what makes it so unique and special. And so like close to my heart is that I just don't think there's anything else there like it. Mm-hmm. Can you t- tell us a little bit more about that, that shift? Because as you, as you, as you, as you say, it's a big shift. And I remember like not drinking, not even being an option. It's like, you know, who, who, who does that? Like it, mm-hmm. I, I'd only know my, my whole adult life, I'd been a drinker and there's so much entrenched in like our, our social beliefs around alcohol. So what was it like to, to make that shift in the early days? So I was with a friend today and I was just reflecting on the whole experience. And I think the hardest thing for me was that I had consciously chosen to surround myself with other people that like to party and other people that like to drink and particularly in the environment I was in, which I was an expat living overseas and I had just moved to Dubai a year and a half before I got sober. So I had consciously created a community of people that wanted to party, you know, every night of the week and on the weekend. And so as soon as I quit drinking, it was like my whole community was lost and I'm very lucky that I was teaching yoga already at this point. And I was working for this gym that I felt very much a part of that community. And I was able to shift into having friendships with those people. And I think that is like one of the things that saved me because I think if you don't have that, if you don't have that fallback community of sober people, when you get sober, it can be like the most isolating experience in the world. If your people are party people, it can be so isolating. And I think that's why community is like at the heart of the work that I do now. And it's the most important thing. It's about connecting people Mm -hmm. and not, I had this recent epiphany about all of it lately because I got really into like filming YouTube videos and filming on-demand content. And as I did that, I got further and further away from the heart of what I do, which is community and connecting people and supporting them, making a connection with them to help them get through those early days of sobriety, because that was what I really deeply needed at that time, which was just a community of people who, who get it. So powerful. I, um, I was abroad for about eight years as well. I was in TEFL and I did the same thing. You know, I was, I was teaching, I was always away. Everybody around me was drinkers and it was so easy to kind of, um, even as I, started to be like, oh shit, I think I need to do something about this. It's so easy to hide in plain sight. And um, yeah, the moment that I made those decisions, I was really lucky that I had one or two really close friends who were kind of like my community at that point in time. But um, it's funny because I had like a 19 month period away from drinking and then returned to it. And one of the reasons was I hadn't extended that really. I had like a powerful I was starting to build a community online, 
But I was like, yeah, I've got this. But I overlooked the importance of having a tribe of people who who we really who we belong with you know who we where we feel belonging as opposed to like trying to fit in and we often talk about the difference between those two things mm-hmm. um i think that's amazing that you're offering something that you know is so important to people early on and to me that's the secret mm-hmm. source is that when we go into something that we know would is so beneficial for people early on or something that we didn't have yeah then there's some something really magic there. So I, I'm not surprised that you've got this thriving community. Um, tell us a bit about that. What's the what what's happening inside there? I just, I'm really curious. Yeah. So I started the mindful life practice in the start of the pandemic in March of 2020. And originally it was an online yoga community, which kind of helped a lot of us get through the pandemic. And connected people. I taught yoga every single day, started running workshops, started running events. And then it became a big focus about it became sobriety. And so I started what is called sober girls yoga and sober girls yoga is a community of basically I'm supporting women in their first 30 or 60 days through sobriety with a 30 or 60 day yoga challenge. And the idea is to stop drinking, start yoga, get into our community and build this, these healthy habits. So we're replacing our drinking with a yoga practice and I've produced lots of on-demand content, but we also have live yoga every day. So as part of the greater community, so that's like kind of the big program that I offer is sober girls yoga. However, the mindful life practice is a big community of like, not just sober girls. So there's also original members who are not necessarily sober. Some people might be sober curious. We have men in the community. We have male yoga teachers. Um, my manager who I work very closely with who like the community wouldn't exist if it weren't for him. He's a man and he's part of it. So sober girls yoga is kind of like this safe, um, feminist women's space that I think is like deeply needed, but the, larger amount or the larger expanse of my community is for everyone. Um, and so we have yoga basically all hours of the day, all day. We have yoga teachers everywhere from Brazil is the furthest in one direction to, we have a facilitator in Australia. We have everywhere in between, um, Bali, UK, Dubai, uh, we have someone in France, actually two people now in France, um, Canada, Cayman Islands, like these are where our facilitators are. Our participants are pretty much everywhere. And it's this incredibly, incredibly rich and diverse community, which all has this like heart of well-being and supporting each other at the heart. I love that um, what you said about the the much needed place for for women. Uh it's it, it, it's so true. And what, um, certainly what was missing for me early doors was that, uh, I remember the first time I went into any kind of community, it was one of the, this naked minds communities and, um, to just know that you're not alone in how you feel. And the, the entry point into that community, I remember distinctly thinking that, this this won't be for me i'm kind of i'm going to play a ball because it's part of this program but i'm i'm not really going to engage with that i'm not really going to post in there almost like i could exist outside of it and just being open 
to connecting with other people. Like within a day, I had all of these connections with people that, I mean, I've, I've never met any of them face to face, but those connections endure because you are opening yourself up to be entirely seen and heard and vulnerable. And, you know, there's, there's quite a, a heavy sway to women in, in this Naked Minds communities, but it's not that there isn't an exclusive place just for women, but there are a lot of, um, a lot of issues that are unique for women. So I think to have that, that space, to have the, the two is a wonderful thing because you're capturing everybody with mindful life and then to have the special space for women, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a really, really lovely offer. So in those groups, are you specifically focusing on yoga? Or are you talking about sobriety in there as well? Like, how does that, how does that play out? Is it, or is that happening in different places? Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice mix. So we do have some classes that are just yoga classes where people come in and it's literally just yoga. That's what some people prefer. And then we also have, so basically we have mindful and sober classes and a mindful class is just a yoga practice. A sober class includes a 15 minute check-in and the check-in is an opportunity to pick up the talking stick and share how you're doing in a non-judgmental safe space. The original intention was for it to be, to share about your sobriety and your sober journey. It's very much evolved as people have carried on on their paths and their journey and alcohol might not be the main point of focus for them, but it's just kind of like a safe, non-judgmental, non-judgmental space basically. And so then we also have lots of different sober offerings, like sober workshops and sober, um, like different sober conversations. And so it's like kind of a really beautiful mix. And then you got some people who are just kind of on the fringe of it a little bit, like they just come for the yoga and then end up staying for the sobriety, you know, and vice versa. You got people that are like there for the sobriety and then get really into the yoga. But I do think that sobriety in general, like, I don't think that I was fully engaging deeply with my yoga journey and my yoga practice until I embraced sobriety. I think that when I was drinking to excess and then teaching yoga, it was fine, but I wasn't coming from this authentic heart space of someone who was like truly walking the path of yoga. Right. Because I was like battling this, this issue on the other, on the other side of it, like outside of the classes. Yeah. Yeah. I I felt that deeply like my, um, I had a, a yoga practice that I, I loved and I was, I was, I was very much devoted to it, but, but as a drinker, it was so limited. It could only go so far Mm -hmm. and removing alcohol was just the opening for like a complete transformation of it. It's it's been just, well, I I, I don't even think I can put words to it. Where, where did you start with yoga? You mentioned that you was, did you say it was when you were about 18 that you started um, learning and teaching yoga? Yeah. So 18 is when I got really committed to it. Like 18 is when I started practicing every single day, but I actually started yoga when I was much younger than that. So I did yoga for kids when I was 11 and then was practicing when I was 13. And I actually wrote something, which I don't even remember writing. My sister found it. 
So I used to write this newsletter called the family times and it was like the family newspaper. And, um, I guess I wrote a a cover page of this when I was 11, that was like breaking news. Alex is going to be a yoga teacher when she grows up. And I, my sister found it like very recently in my grandma's closet. And I was like, that is the wildest thing because I don't ever remember even thinking that dreaming that wanting that when I was 11 and I kind of dabbled in and out of it throughout my teenage years. And it was 18 when it became like a daily regular thing. And then I knew I was going to be a yoga teacher from then. And it took until I was 21 to actually do the yoga teacher training. And that was just because there was all this, you know, imposter syndrome and self-doubt. Like I was like, I don't think I'm really good enough to, to be a yoga teacher. And that is like an interesting thing about the entire experience is that then I ended up following this career that was not my passion. It was not what I wanted to do with my life, like becoming a school teacher and then teaching yoga on the side, you know? And so I feel like a lot of my drinking issues that then grew and grew as time went on really stemmed from the fact that I was not really following my path in life. I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I was doing what other people wanted me to do. We, uh, we just recorded an entire podcast about that very thing. Um, because it's something that bonds us all here actually is the, I don't know about you, Alex, but I feel as if one of the reasons that I stopped drinking so early is that I had a yoga practice and a meditation and mindfulness practice. And I was really aware of how, how much of a battering they were taking every time I got drunk so trying to wake up and do yeah. that you know and then when I had time away from alcohol I was like wow like that's opening up to a level I just didn't even know that was possible um so yeah I mean I often say to people if they're just to start the because people are kind of like oh yeah you know is there any point I'm still drinking it's like well you're going to learn a lot from it right so is that is that a pattern that you think played out in your life the fact that you started so young and you were getting a sense of hmm, alcohol's getting in the way. Was that conscious or how did you notice that alcohol was getting in the way? I mean, that's a great question. I don't think I really noticed it getting in the way of my yoga mm-hmm. practice or my yoga teaching. Like in hindsight, I see now that it was clearly getting in the way, but at the time that I was really struggling, I don't think it was my yoga that I really felt my drinking was getting in the way. I think it was my mental health. That was like the major thing. So I have struggled with bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was pretty young. And I actually, originally that's how I got into yoga at age 18 was I was like going to counseling and seeking help and a counselor recommended that I start yoga. And so I, that was like what I originally went to yoga for. And when I got towards the end of my drinking, I was like really struggling with, um, depression and I had been on medication. I was doing yoga. I was exercising. I was part of community. I loved my life in Abu Dhabi. And I just kind of realized, you know, this is the only thing that it could be now, right. Is the alcohol. It's not anything else. It's not my any other lifestyle choice. And so I think I knew that I had to quit drinking to make my mental health better. And and that has been the biggest thing that has honestly helped me stay sober is just thinking back to how low my mental health was in the first week of my sober journey and 
just knowing like I could never go back to that point, you know? Mm. What did it take to get through that week, Alex? I was going to say community, but I'm like, I don't even, I don't even think I was part of community at that point. (laughs) The very first week, I don't think I was part of one year, no beer yet. I remember the day when I became part of one year, no beer and when everything changed. So I joined one year, no beer on like my seventh day sober. And when I was part of one year, no beer, I remember looking at the Facebook group and reading everyone's posts and waking up every day and just reading the posts in one year, no beer. And like, that was like what helped me stay sober in the first seven days, I honestly don't know what, what helped me get sober. I think it was just believing that it, that it was going to get better, you know, knowing that it was going to get better than the point that it was like, it couldn't get any worse from where I was. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I always find it is so interesting to me to hear how people get to that point where they make the the decision because yeah. For some people, it's like this, this moment of insight for like, I love how you do it. was almost like a kind of like a, a process of elimination. It's like, well, it's not that it's not that it's not that for you, Alex. And then, you know, it's, it's so crazy to me that despite being under the influence of, of a drug, effectively, our wisdom, our inner guidance system kicks through in the end. And it kind of just, we talk to people all the time that are like, oh, I just don't know if, if I'm in the right place, if this course is for me, like, and yet you're here, you know, there might be some chatter up here, but you found your way here despite everything you found your 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 way to this place and um yeah so you stayed in one year no beer for the for the year and like has that what um, and what was what were the other parts of your journey um so you said that you've been alcohol free for three years now right yeah yeah three years on april 13th so So about three years in a month yeah. So would you say that the biggest, so apart from one, you know, has it been yoga and community that have been that what have been the other kind of things that have come in that have been really helpful and supportive to you along the way? Um, so I always feel like I sound really, um, <laughs> really out there when I talk about this, but I talk about it on <laughs> most podcasts I've been on. So when I was 30 days sober, I met a psychic And I was not someone that ever believed in this kind of stuff, like tarot cards, psychics, um, Reiki, any of that stuff. I was like totally, um, you know, a non-believer. And I had someone in my life, my assistant teacher at the time, who kept suggesting that I meet her psychic. And I finally said, you know, this, I just need to give this a try. Um, And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. It's fine. And so I drove all the way from Abu Dhabi to Dubai. So it was like an hour and 40 minutes. And I get into this psychic's room and he says, you know, close your eyes, count down to zero, 21 to zero, open your eyes. You were never meant to be a school teacher. You were always meant to be a healer. Like you're meant to be a yoga teacher. You're going to start this retreat center. It's going to be a fusion of everything. And this was like this, life-changing moment for me. And I'm still very close with him. Um, we had some like fallouts along the way because things were not happening as I wanted them to. And at the (laughs) pace I wanted them to, and I didn't understand that, you know, it wasn't just that he told me what was going to happen. Like I had to actually make it happen too. Like there's some responsibility on, (laughs) on the part of the person (laughs) who meets the psychic, right. Is like, they're going to tell you your future, but then you have to be the one who makes it happen. And so I remember this day because I just sat there and I didn't say anything. And I just cried. I cried for like an hour and this was the pivotal moment for me. And I don't think 
to say that that means everyone needs to see a psychic because for everyone, it's going to be something different, but it's basically, you just need to meet someone who believes in you enough until you can believe in yourself. So maybe it's like a coach, a mentor, a teacher, um, you know, someone that you're forming a, a community bond with, it could be a psychic. Um, you know, it's really kind of for everyone, it could be a different person that plays a role in their life. But for me, it was this person saying to me, like, this is what you're capable of. This is what you're going to do. And this just changed my whole perspective on everything. Cause I thought I was just like hopelessly stuck in this, you know, grade one teacher job for the rest of my life, because I could never visualize this being possible. You know, this life in Bali running this community, I could never actually see this possible until someone helped me see it myself. And so I encourage everyone. Well, I'm always saying like, everyone should go meet my psychic, but you know, it doesn't have to be a psychic. (laughs) It can be anyone that plays that role for you of like believing in you, cheering you on, mentoring you. We have a real story around, um, I don't think many of us stop to to think about what creating the life we want really means because me and Ellie quite often reflect, we're like, like right now we're in the middle of a podcast that doesn't exist. It's being, um, and, and it's amazing to like be in that energy and to build a program or to build a community or to just, anyone can do that. I think often a lot of people, I used to feel like this, like, oh, you know, it's amazing that there's all these people creating all these things in the world. And I'm kind of, I'm just one who's going to sit and consume that. But actually, and it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It can be anything. But on the on the journey, on the alcohol-free journey, when the, the time and the energy and the space opens up, it's not comfortable to stay in the comfort zone for that long. And we were saying that like often it becomes a reason for people to reach for a glass of wine or a beer or whatever, because they know that they should be doing something. They sense, like you said, Alex, like I'm I meant to be doing more. Like I always knew that, even though teaching was a really valid thing a really beautiful thing I knew I was doing a good thing it wasn't like my thing I could sense that and I'd sense that for like a decade I knew that was the case um so yeah what do you what do you think you'd say to yourself if you could uh, go back to that Alex and if she were open to advice <laughs> or listening what what do you think you'd say to her what would you let her know about the future and about what's going to be happening I think So for the Alex that, like for the young Alex, that was like 21, 22, I don't think I would change a thing because the whole Kuwait, Dubai adventure got me to where I am now. And so I think if I would do it all over, I would still do the, you know, the partying in Dubai and the move across the world. Like I wouldn't undo or change any of that. But I think once you hit that pivotal moment or like, I think everyone kind of has these moments in their life where they're like, okay, I could either, you know, follow this dream or just keep doing what I'm doing for like 20 more years. You know, like I could have just stayed being a grade one teacher in Dubai for 20 years and that would have been fine. Um, And I would have been like, you know, half happy with this, this life and probably gone back to drinking. But I think as soon as you have that inclination that there could be more to life than this, Mm. 
then just go for it. You know, just try like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen. Like I keep having to remind myself, the worst thing that could happen is I just go back to being a teacher. Right. And the thing is I get emails, I get messages on LinkedIn all the time from people being like, we have a teaching job here, you know? So (laughs) I know that that is always going to be there for me, but I would never know had I not had the courage to step beyond my comfort zone. I would never know that any of this was possible. And so I would say, to my like younger, younger self to, I mean, I would, I guess I wouldn't change a thing, but I would say to that person who was around 30 days sober to follow this dream because it's led me to this incredible place. And I think a lot of people have these big dreams that they end up not following because they're too afraid or they're afraid of the risk or afraid of failing. Like I meet tons of people who say that they would love to be doing something like I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, then why don't you just do it? (laughs) And I get how hard it is, right? I needed a psychic to tell me that I was going to do it. But that's the thing is like, all I did that was different than anyone else's. I just like tried, you know, (laughs) Um, and just kept going and kept going every time I failed, kept going every time I got rejected, Um, just kept moving forward. I I love how you describe like the the psychic as like the catalyst, but then you can have the pity party around, well, what, and I've got to do all the stuff, but it's, it, it's your responsibility and that difference with stepping up to the plate. So in those moments where things aren't happening as fast as you would like, or in the way that you would like, what, what do you tell yourself or how do you support yourself through the, you know, the trenches, the difficult moments? I'm a huge Gabby Bernstein fan. (laughs) Um, And I love the messages that she puts out about obstacles being um, like guidance for us and obstacles being, you know, we hit different bumps along the road to send us a different way. We're not being rejected. We're just being redirected to a different way. And I think that's the case with Um, so something that I've been going through lately is I feel like I've been kind of led down this path of, I think I mentioned at the beginning, like a lot of content creation, a lot of like filming on demand content, making YouTube yoga videos, making YouTube meditations, which are great. It's beautiful content. Um, but I think I was being led down this path of like, this is the new way now that the world is opening up and, you know, we're getting off of zoom. And I was convinced that that was like the new path that I had to follow. And I just kept being hit with so many challenges along the way. And I do feel like it's led me to this wake up moment of like, oh my God, my purpose is not to be a content creator. Like my purpose is to be a community creator. And I don't think I would have ever realized that had I not gone through this whole obstacle journey to make me realize that this past week. Right. So I think every single challenge, every time we're being faced with like a wall it's really just here to teach us like the next thing that we need to learn, the next direction we need to take the next lesson. And, and that really helps me keep this sense of spirituality when the times get tough. Mm. Oh God, I love that. There's, have you read The Obstacle is Away? No, but I recently learned that that's a book. I thought that oh. <laughs> I heard someone say that once. Um, obstacles are not in the way they are the way. And yeah. I thought it was just, I didn't realize that there's actually a book there's, on it, but I'll have yeah, to read that. <laughs> you are, you are going to love that book. It's a phenomenal book. Um, definitely, definitely worth a read. I, I love everything that you said about that because th- this is the thing that sets people apart. I think that 
and and I had a real thing carried around for years and I know where it comes from but that that a real visceral fear of failure and I'm still working with it to a degree but when you start shedding that and you let that go what it opens up in terms of growth is just unprecedented it's it's incredible it's so so freeing and we, you know we all need to fail more like we need this uh, the way that i see it when we fail just as you say it, it's like a redirection it's there's some recalibration there's there's something to know there's something to learn there's there's a, a new way to find your alignment and yeah. there's a big difference that i find in in coaching between people that can be more readily open and receptive to obstacles, failure being a gift as opposed to being um, consumed by it. Um, I think it, because it, 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 it does test you, right? It does test you. And there's going, there are gonna be so many tests in your life, but to be able to have the, the clarity, the mental clarity and the, uh, the fortitude to work through those things. This is where life becomes really, really expansive. So I, I really like seeing it as an adventure and I'm, I'm desperate to know what you think of that book. You will love it. You'll... I need to get back more on the, um, when I first quit drinking, I was like really into reading and I feel like I've kind of slipped away from that. Um, but maybe this will be the next book that I mm. pick up. Yeah. Different things for different seasons. Right. I, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that I rarely read like I can't remember the last time I read like a, a quit lit book. It just doesn't I would if I have a friend that's written one that's like I would do so, but it just it kind of doesn't make sense to me anymore. And that's okay. There was a time yeah. where I was kind of like reading them compulsively and and then it was, you know, sometimes it's podcasts, audiobooks. That is a really lovely thing though, to stay in one way or another, to stay connected to um to voices that inspire you. And uh, you're talking about Gabby and, you know, and uh, is it Ryan Halliday that writes The Obstacle is the Way? He's a really powerful speaker as well. And yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that it's so, so clear that um, your life is so rich and full, Alex, and that you're you're so lit up by what you do and that to have realized, oh, actually, I've tried on a load of things that perhaps people are telling me I should do, but like this is home. And now I get mm-hmm. to kind of just like recreate home as many times as I like over and over again. That's uh that sounds pretty special to me. So it's so glad to hear you. So, so happy to hear you sharing that. And on that note, what would you, so what have you not spoken about that you'd like our listeners to know? Like where can people find you? It's, it's been such a lovely chat and I know that people are going to really want to know more about what you do um, and how they can, you know, you've got a podcast, you've, there's all these amazing things that you're doing. So, so tell us about that. Tell us about all the, the cool things and where people can find you. Yeah. Um, cool. So I can be found. My Instagram is Alex McGrobs. I'm pretty active there. Um, we also have the sober yoga girl podcast, um, and the mindful life practice is the name of my community. So sober yoga girl podcast. Um, I have been running it for about a year and a bit now, a year and four months, and I have lots of guests on interviewing them about their journeys, their stories, the mindful life practice, we have the sober girls yoga program. So 30 and 60 day sober girls yoga challenges. We also have our 
virtual Zoom community for yoga and sobriety, and that's open to everyone. So you can be a woman or man, sober or not to join the overall mindful life practice. And yeah, I guess that's where you can find me, the Mindful Life Practice YouTube. I have some yoga classes and meditations if you're interested in just kind of checking out what I'm all about. And yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex, and for, for sharing everything that you do and the uh, giving us a little glimpse of Bali as well and yeah, your lovely cat. <laughs> for hopping onto a, uh, a Hollywood-style uh, entrance by hopping yeah. onto your motorbike and racing across the... Uh... <laughs> awesome so what a great episode really really good chat we enjoyed that and i love the image of alex racing to the uh to the podcast studio and uh on the back of uh, the motorbike i thought that was really cool so hey we're now officially in amongst our next stay stopped group so if you haven't um got in this time put get yourself on the waiting list there's a link in the show notes all right so go and let us know that you'd love to do this we know that summer is a very busy time for a lot of us and uh so it may be something that you want to uh jump into in the autumn and we'd, we'd love to have you so let us know you're interested and we'll be in touch have an awesome day see you in the facebook group thank you for all those reviews if you can find the time to do that for us and uh yeah have an absolutely awesome week see you soon